0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And we're going to be talking today about how to spend quality time with Jesus. How to spend quality time with Jesus. And uh, I want to show you a book out of the bookstore that uh, is in line with this subject called Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. This is an awesome book, been out for a lot of years. When I was a new Christian, this book was out. And I studied it back then. and It helped me in my Christian, Christian faith to come from just being a person that knew nothing about God, except I finally knew him, but didn't know anything about him. Well, this book shows you how to grow as a believer. The Bible says that when you're born again, it's called the new birth, born again. You may be living in an older body, but your spirit becomes brand new. And when your spirit becomes brand new, it's just like a baby. When a baby comes to the world, the baby knows nothing. They can't do anything. All they can do is cry and mess up their diapers and, you know, try to get your attention and kick around. And baby Christians, that's about all they know how to do. They know God's real, but they always got to cry out to somebody else to help them, to pray for them, to, you know, try to show them what to do with life. But as you grow up, then all of a sudden, you're not the one that's doing all the crying all the time. People are coming to you and you're praying for them and you're helping them. And you're telling other people how to get out of messes with God's Word. Well, it's a process. This book shows you uh, some of the steps to go from babyhood to childhood to mature Christian. shows you how to grow, go from a natural man. The Bible talks about a natural man. That's a person that doesn't know the Lord yet. They're not born again. They just live by their senses. How they feel, what they see, what they hear, that's what they live by. But then there's a carnal Christian, which is somebody that's born again, But they're not much different than a natural man. They go by what they feel. Well, I didn't feel like God heard me. Well, when you become a mature Christian, you know God heard you because the Word says so. And you begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's a mature Christian. But the Bible teaches those different phases of development. So this book really goes through some good verses to show you about those things. And then he's got a little test in there where you locate yourself. You know, you may have been a church member for 40 years. That doesn't mean you're a mature Christian. Amen. Or you may have been somebody got born again a year ago, and you might be very mature. Because the Word of God governs your decision-making process. The Word of God governs how you live, where you go, what you watch, what you do. And that's a sign of maturity where the Word of God is the final say-so of what you do in life. Amen? Amen. So that book will really help you. But that's kind of what we're talking about today. And how to spend quality time with Jesus. As a pastor over the years, many new Christians and even older, older believers have often asked me how to get closer to Jesus. And how to do better in growing up spiritually and being a better Christian. So many Christians come up my prayer line and ask me at the door, Pastor, I'm trying to do good. I want to be a better Christian. Oh, I just want to be a better Christian. Well, God wants to answer that question today, how to be a better Christian, and starts off have having quality time with Jesus in your private time. And so, I want to look at Luke chapter 10, and we'll start at verse 38, and I want to teach you what has always worked for me as a believer. I'll be 39 years old, January 29th, and if you... Don't understand spiritual things, you're looking at me and you think, man, how could this guy get that good looking at just 39 years? (laughs) Well, actually, the body that the real me lives in is 67 and a half years old. But the one inside the body is only 39 years old in Christ because God doesn't have you recorded in his book until you get born again. When you get born again, he pulls out a book called The Lamb's Book of Life and Jesus writes your name in that book. Have your names in that book. That's when your life started in God's eyes when you received Jesus. So I am almost 39 years old and, uh, you know, it's been a good 39 years, but there's been some challenges. There've been some battles, but praise God, I've won in Christ because I know what to do according to His Word. So Luke chapter 10, I'm going to teach you things from the Word of God that I've learned over the years that have helped me to grow, have helped me to win. And the big thing is, it's helped me not to quit in the middle of the battle. How not to quit until I did win. And you know to answer that question for the ones that ask, how to be a better Christian. How to not just want to want, want to do good, but to actually do good and to change. And so Luke chapter ten, verse thirty eight says, Now it came to pass as they went this this is Jesus and his disciples he traveled with, he entered to a certain village, or he might have entered into a little little town called Barstow. you know he went to a place where people lived, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and so you know, I just want to ask you the question: Have you received Jesus into your heart? That's the first step that's the first step of growing. And knowing is number one, you've got to welcome Jesus into your life if you want to know him. You know, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. If any man let me in, I'll come and sup with him. I'll fellowship with him if you let me in. And so the very first step, the very first step to have a relationship with Jesus is when he's knocking on the door of your heart to say what we call the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. You pray something like this. Dear God, I need help. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need to know you. And I believe in your son. I believe your son died for my sins. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be my savior. Well, what are you doing then? You're welcoming Jesus into your life. You're welcoming Jesus into your heart. And that's the very first necessary step in having peace. Peace in your life. Jesus wants you to have peace in your life. You know, in the midst of a storm, you can have peace. In the midst of, midst of crisis, you can have peace. There can be calamity all around you. And just, I mean, everything seems like the whole world's attacking you. But when you on the inside of your heart have peace, you come out of it smiling. Amen. And so the very first step is to do what Martha did to welcome Jesus into your house. And by the way, Bible says that your, your body is the temple, the house of God, the house of the Holy Ghost. And so that's the first thing you've got to do. But then notice verse 39. And this is what you do, uh, after you've asked Him to do your heart to grow up spiritually knowing better. You've got to, verse 39. As she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. She didn't just welcome him into the house. She actually took time to sit with him and hear his word. So to enjoy the love and peace that Jesus has for you, you need to set aside time on a regular basis to shut yourself off from the world and read your Bible and talk to Jesus. And then allow Jesus to talk to you through the words of the Bible as the Holy Spirit causes things to happen from the word of God for you. You know, I think about the Bible. There's, you know, when you've lived for him 39 years and you've taught the Bible to other people for a lot of that time and you've had a lot of experiences with him, I think sometimes we just take things for granted. But the whole Bible is God talking to man. But the Bible talks to different groups of people. You know, a lot of the Bible talks to people that are not Christians yet to the world, tells them about God to get to know God. And then part of the Bible talks to Jewish people, and then the New Testament primarily talks to Christians, tells Christians what to do, who they are in Christ, how to live, how to live as a Christian, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And write, write this verse down. We'll quote a verse to you. John six sixty three. John six sixty three. Don't have to turn there or anything. But John six sixty three. Jesus said, "The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life." They are spirit and they are life. Well, there's two kinds of, there's two different Greek words talked about the Bible. And I don't want to get, I don't want to get on too much bunny trouble. but you need to hear this. Logos is the written word. The written word is all God talking, but Rhema is the spoken word. And that's when God makes it real to your heart. You know, there might be people that are, that are having a problem with being a tither to give tips. Or they're there come to God. Well, when God speaks to your heart from Malachi chapter 3, and God says, bring 10% into my altar, give it to me, then that's, that's the rainbow word. God spoke to you, and you're accountable for it then, because God spoke it to you. I mean, speaking it to everybody, but when it becomes real to you, when God speaks to you from Mark chapter 16, and says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that's been there all the time. But all of a sudden, when that becomes spoken to your heart, you think, wow, I can do that. I can lay hands on sick people. And Jesus will heal them because he said it. that's the spoken word. And so here's what I want to say. For the word of God, we're talking about about spending this time with Jesus here his word. When you're reading the word of God, there may be a verse you've heard preached a thousand times. There may be a verse you've read, you've memorized in Sunday school when you're a little child. You've heard that verse. You've read that verse. You've even sang songs. That verse is in the song. And all of a sudden, you're reading that verse. And that verse, all of a sudden, jumps inside of you. You're like, wow! I never saw that before. That's real. Well, that's the words, John 6, 63, that he's spoken unto you, that is spirit and life. It's always there. But all of a sudden, it becomes alive. That's what happens when you sit at Jesus' feet to hear his word. All of a sudden... It's not a voice you're hearing in your head. It's not trying to imagine something or conjure something up. All of a sudden in your heart is an expression we use in Christianity where I know that I know that I know that I know. How do you know? Cause I know that I know that I know that I know. Jesus said, and this somebody said, you heard a voice? No, I saw it in the Bible. He said, but then he didn't just say it, but he said it to you. And that word became a rhema to you. That became the spoken word. It wasn't just the written word now. It was the spoken word. And when that speaks to your heart, nobody can steal it from you. You know, I'll give you an example. Like that word I gave a while ago about somebody standing on the verge of something to break through in their family. And God said, there's one more thing to do. Well, see, God has spoken to your heart one more thing to do. And it wasn't something you heard in your head. It's just that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. I'm going to do this, and God's coming through. Amen? And so that's what we're talking about, how to grow in Christ. As we're looking at these things, this has always worked for me. And so anyway, I I want to say this. I want to read verse 40. And uh, I'm going to read down the Amplified Bible because it's going to say a little more about what we want to get across. And the Amplified Bible says that Martha was overoccupied and too busy. She was distracted about much serving. And so, Martha and Mary, well could have but Martha was too busy to sit and listen to him. And so Mary set at his feet to hear what he had to say. And so I want to say this, now listen to this, because I want to help you to grow as a Christian, to do better, and be the Christian you really want to be, that you know you're, it's possible for you to be. Life happens. Right now, Life is very, 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 very busy. I think about my own life. My wife and I just sold our house and another house we're buying that was supposed to close at the same time. Well, been a few hiccups, and so we may be the only two homeless people in the church today. <laughs> but praise God, uh, my 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 son. And his wife had mercy and they brought us in off the street and they're feeding us. <laughs> and no. And so what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this. Life is happening right now. We're the pastors of a church, got a lot of people doing a lot of things, got a lot of functions we're involved with right now, et cetera, et cetera. But she's the backbone of the church. She's the one that tells me when to get up and lay down. Now, my wife is very, very, very instrumental in things going around her. You heard the Christmas gift stuff a while ago. All she's doing. What's going on? Life happens. But we have disciplined ourselves in our years of Christian living with all this going on around us. We are not going to walk away from our relationship with Jesus. And by that, I don't mean being a backslider. I mean having our time with him every day. I mean sitting at Jesus' feet to hear his word sitting at Jesus' feet and praying and talking and listening and digging into the Word of God and not just trying to come up with with good ideas about how to make things work, but listening to our Father in our prayer closet and our Father showing us how to make things work, how to see the closing come to pass on the house we're working with, how to help the people in the church when we get the call from people that have crisis, how we don't blow apart ourselves. And just be, say something like, man, things are bad everywhere. I don't know what to do. Well, I know exactly what to do. What I've been doing for 39 years. And that's what I'm showing you right here. It says that Mary, Mary sat at his feet, but Martha got too busy and she was distracted about everything. And so life happens. And so know this, you've got a spiritual life and you've got a natural life. Your natural life is the things you got to do. you got to get up. you got to get dressed. you got to go to work if you work. You have things you've got to do if you're, the, you know, if you're, a, I don't like to say, old school housewife, because that's the only kind I know. Back in the days when the women were the ones that stayed home and did that part, the men went out. But I know in modern times it's not quite like that. But somebody's got to get up and fix breakfast usually. Somebody's got to do dishes or you come home to a mess at night time. Somebody's got to put gas in the car. Somebody's got to take care of business. That's the natural life. But then you've got a spiritual life. And with all the hustle bustle going on, especially at Christmas time, it would be real easy to pull your hair out and frantic and blow up. And what's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, you're so busy doing all the stuff trying to make it happy that you make it very unhappy for everybody around you like Martha did. Because you go frantic because you have no peace. Because you were... Working to serve Jesus and make things better for people to know Jesus, but then you yourself got away from Jesus. Still had Him in your heart, but you got so busy you didn't have His peace in your heart. Amen. And so life happens, but remember this. You might want to write this down. The spiritual always determines the natural, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. If you've been a Christian very long, you've recognized that if you've had seasons where you got so busy with life that you didn't read your Bible for a season and didn't have time to get quiet with the Lord and look at devotions or Bible or something, all of a sudden you got very grouchy. You got cranky. You're blowing up on everybody all around you. The people you love, you were lashing out at. And you was realizing, it's not them, it's me. And then you stop to think back over your life, those seasons, when you really were very serious about it. You had your Bible out every day. Maybe you had a journal out, a notebook. You were writing out verses. You were praying and writing out prayers, looking at the prayers, doing stuff like that. That calamities all around you. at people's looking at you and saying, I don't understand you. Don't you know what's going on? Can't you see what's happening? How could you be so calm? Well, you're so calm because you've been with Jesus. Amen. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And so what you do, what you do with that spiritual life is totally going to determine what kind of outcome you have in that natural life. And i tell, tell you something else, too. When you do what we're going to talk about today, and you have that quality time with Jesus, then there's going to be anointing on those natural things you do. I'll tell you what, there's... Well, I, I, I like to say it this way sometimes. When you're a person of prayer... And you have that quality time. When it comes to the crisis of life, the things you do in life, major things, you can either work it out or you can pray and just walk it out. And if you've got it already prayed up and prayed through, you walk through it. But if you aren't prayed up, then you've got to work it out. You'll get out there and at every little molehill is going to look like a mountain. Every little ant's going to look like a giant. Because you're not looking through the eyes of the Word or through the eyes of Jesus you look at through your own natural eyes. And I think about David and Goliath. How many here have ever read the story of David and Goliath or heard it taught? About a half a dozen of you. Well, if we're going to change the sermon. They're going to David and Goliath. No, everybody here has heard about David and Goliath. How many remember that every day the whole army of Israel came out there? And the army of Israel came out there and said, man, we're going to kill the giant today. We're going to kill the giant today. Today's the day that giant's going down. And the giant walk out there like the big bad wolf. He said, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. Israel take off running when they saw the size of the giant. Had a whole army at one giant. And Israel ran. No matter how much they boasted and bragged, talking about what they was going to do, he come out there with, "boo," And they all ran. Well, David, who the Bible says was a youth, some, some, maybe 15, 16, 17 years old, David came out there, he saw what was going on. He's the one that said there's a shepherd and wrote the Psalms out. He sat there all night long, all day, just looking up at God, looking at creation, take care of those sheep and writing out Psalms just through relationship with God. He was close to God. And so David came out there then. And David said. Who's he think he is challenging my God said he's coming against my God, my covenant father. He's coming against him. Who's he think he is? And we know then the story, David slew the giant. What was the difference? Israel saw a great big giant and a little bitty God. David saw a great big God and a little bitty giant. Amen. And when you are a person that has learned what it means to have an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ not just as your Savior, but as your Lord. And you spend that time with Him. Then the giants all around you are going to look very small. And God's going to look very big. Amen? Amen, amen. Give the, give the Lord a hand. Amen. He's that He's that good. And so anyway, Mary, Mary got all busy with everything going around her. Verse 40, it says, that she's all messed up, she said, She came to the Lord and said, Lord, does thou not care? That my sister has left me to serve alone. Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. And so when you get so busy with life that you ignore time with Jesus, you begin to whine and complain about everything because you've lost your peace and joy. Amen. You've lost your peace and joy. You get mad at people. You get mad at things. Everything, everything. Everything that pops up on your screen you're upset about. And you know, you're upset because your husband reads his Bible too much. You're upset because your wife goes to church, because your wife goes to church too much. You're upset about every little thing, Even people are spending time with the Lord. you get mad about everything, because your flesh has taken control of your spirit, and your spiritual life's getting snuffed out, so you're mad about everything. Amen. Can anybody, anybody recognize that in your lives? That when that happens. Everybody, everybody is doing no good. And you're the only one doing good. Nobody can do it right but you. You're the only one doing anything. Why doesn't somebody help me? <laughs> doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So she began to whine and murmur about, about everything. Then notice verse 41. And Jesus asked her, Martha, Martha, you are so right. You poor a little thing. Everybody around is doing nothing. You're doing everything. That's not what Jesus said. He said, Martha, Martha said you're careful and troubled about many things. Well, the Amplified Bible says Jesus said to Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. It says you're anxious and troubled about many things. If this is your life today, then this lesson is for you. If you're anxious and worried, and troubled about many things, then you're going to get your answer today. How to get your peace and your joy back. And so then, I want you to look then at verse 42. Jesus said, but one thing is needful. And remember the words that he speaks, are spirit and their life. Say, one thing is needful. Say, one thing is needful. And so if Jesus told me one thing is needful, I wouldn't be trying 15 things. I'd say, Lord, what's the one thing that's needful? What's the answer, Jesus, so I can have peace? What's the answer, Jesus, so I don't bite everybody's head off? What's the answer so I don't get fired because I'm going in wanting to cheer everybody out of my job and tell my boss no? Or if you're the boss, what's what's the answer, Jesus, so everybody doesn't quit? I hate my head. You've got to have peace and joy If you're going to make it through life, one thing is needful and Mary just lucked out. What Mary do? She made a choice. Mary made a choice. Mary hath chosen that good part which should not be taken away from her. And so we must guard against distractions. And do you remember what the good part was that Mary chose? She sat at Jesus' feet. And heard his words. She made that choice. And so we've got to guard against distractions. We need to learn the difference between good and necessary. I got that off Pastor David. A few sermons he preached. Amen. My My son's taught me things when he gets up here and preaches. I get nuggets off of him. But we've got to learn the difference between good and necessary. Going to Walmart to buy gifts. How many know that's a good thing? But it's not a necessary thing. said Mary chose a good thing. If you're the man and you're the one that's responsible for getting the car cleaned up and look good, putting gas in it, that's a good thing, but it's not a necessary thing. Said all these different distractions of life that are good things, Mary laid them down right then and thought, I've got an opportunity to be with Jesus. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And so she made the necessary choice. But if you put time with Jesus first, you're going to have so much more peace. It's going to be so easy to do your Christmas shopping. If you remember who it is that's having that birthday. Whose birthday is it on the 25th? It's Jesus. So shouldn't he somewhere be honored in the process? Amen. If he's the one who's celebrating his birthday, we we'll ought at least take time to spend some time with him and be able to say, Good morning, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, what have you got to say today out of the word of God to be Jesus? What have you got to say? And I'll tell you, when you take the time to do that good part first, you go shopping. Guess what? You're going to get there and the lines are going to be like you thought they were going to be. You're going to get there right at that, right at that break in the action where you walk in there and you, you, you tell the checkout people, Wow, you guys are really slow today. You should have been here five minutes ago. Think, no, I not here five minutes ago. I was with Jesus five minutes ago. And so now I knew now was the time to come. And you got to the shelf, and everybody told you, they're all out of those. I had to get a rain check. And you pull up there, and somebody's got a big pallet they just put down. They're stocking all the shelf, but that thing is what? They say, so I just spent time with Jesus. And Jesus told me now was the time. The truck just came in. And before everybody came in and cleaned it out again in ten minutes, I got it. I tell you, when you put Jesus first, he adds things to you. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You get down to the gas station, and they just dropped the price on the, on the gasoline. It just came down. And you're the first in line. And you didn't have to wait. Everything changes. Everything changes when you take that time to put Jesus first. Amen? And so he said, he said, one thing is needful. It says, Mary has chosen that good part. and said it will not be taken away from her. You know, we used to sing a song in church years ago about the peace of God. It says, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Anybody remember that song? Anybody ever sang that song? The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Peace, joy, the good things come from God. And when you get them from God, the world can't steal it from you. They can't give it to you and they can't take it. And so anyway, it's not so much quantity of time, but quality of time. It's not quantity of time, but quality of time. With Jesus at his word, that gives you faith and peace. You know, uh, so many times people think, I just don't have time. I don't have time. Did you have time to check Facebook? Did you have time to check your bank account? Did you have time to check the news app? Did you have time to check your text messages? Did you have time to check your email? Did you have time to do your Instagram? Did you have time to play with Twitter? If you had time to do any one of those things, then you could have at least found five minutes for Jesus. Amen. And can I tell you something? I'm going to get into this just a bit a little more. But quality time with Jesus... Is not with your phone in one hand and your Bible in the other hand. As you spend an hour doing this with your phone out here while you're on there. Man, I just spent an hour with the Lord. You might have had a quantity of time where you had an open Bible, but that wasn't any quality of time. You spent an hour with your phone holding your Bible in your lap to make you feel good. <laughs> Amen or on oh me? I want to say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so it's not so much quantity, but quality of time that's going to give you faith and peace. And so I want to look now at how to spend quality time with Jesus, quality time with Jesus. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six. Of course, we're going to look at verse six. And to me, quality time means beneficial. Gets good results. That I'm better afterwards than I was before. That's quality. You know, I think about on on a lot of our jobs they got quality control. They got somebody checks things out, put a put a sticker on there that says pass quality control. That means you expect you expected whatever it was and it was good, is going to help people. It's going to be a good reflection back on the company that was on there. Well, see, when we have quality control in our time with Jesus, it's going to be a good reflection back on Jesus. You know, I think about, uh, <laughs> I think about some, some, some Christians. Oh boy, I don't want to think about them because I may have been that Christian before myself. You know, have you, have you ever seen a Christian that comes into the job and just so happens they've had two or three good days with the Lord. They're, they're preaching to everybody, glory to God, joy, 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 love, 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 peace, peace, peace. Come to my church, come to my church. Oh, Jesus is good. And then all of a sudden they hit a, a, a rough period of life. And they forget their Bible for a week. And they spend time just watch, watching the news all day long or something like that. And they come in and they're cussing people. They're biting people's heads off. Et cetera, et cetera, I don't think you'd call that quality control. I'd say that's very much a lack of self-control. And quality control comes by spending time with Jesus. And letting his word get into you. And you get into his word and then it coming out in your actions and your words as you deal with people. Amen. And so that's that to me, that's quality that you're better afterwards than you were before. And so if you read your Bible for an hour with a smartphone in the hand, it may have been quantity, but it sure was a quality. Amen. Matthew chapter six, verse six. Jesus talking about prayer, about this quality of time he says, but thou, when thou prayest. Enter thy closet or enter into your secret place, your hidden place with God. And when you shut your door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which sits in secret shall reward thee openly. And so you need to develop a routine of shutting your cell phone off, finding a quiet place to be alone with your Bible and your Heavenly Father. And even if it's only 15 minutes of quality time, no distractions. The presence of God that will come on your life. The presence of God is going to overcome you. You're going to have anointing. You're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. And the benefit is going to be your father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. That means answered prayer. That means answered prayer. And, you know, I think about, I think about people that don't know God. And people that may be church members, but don't really have a relationship with God. They come to church, like, I think about selling our house, some things happen. I, I, I talked talk to a Christian the other day, and they said, something about the house, did house sell? Yes. Yeah. I said, well yeah, I sold the first day. You know, we had, we had three or four offers the first day, written offers. People offered money for the house the first day. Well, you're lucky, you're lucky, you're lucky, you're lucky. You know, how do you talk to people like that? If, if it's people that goes to church and know God, what did luck have to do with it? Could it have to do that we spend time with Jesus? Could it have to do we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? And all these things rather than does. Could it have anything to do in fact that we're tithers? And God says, open the windows of heaven, part the blessing on your life. That God says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. It couldn't have anything to do with that. You know what I call that? What Jesus said right here, your father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. Amen. And so I think about the different things of life that the crises that come to Christians. See, Jesus also told us in the Beatitudes, he said the same crises come to the just and the unjust. God makes it rain on the just and the unjust. He shares the sunshine with the just and the unjust. The difference is, just means people that walk with God. And so the difference is, when crisis hits the people that don't have that relationship developed, what's the, what do what they call They Snowflakes. they got to have a safe zone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when the crisis comes to people that walk with God close, when they talk to the Father in secret... And take time to listen from the Bible in secret. That God rewards them openly. And then people that know God. And see their lives. They say wow. You guys are blessed. Man God did that didn't he? Yeah. Hallelujah. He sure did. And then somebody else says. You're lucky. What can you say? You say well praise the Lord. You call luck. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And then if the doors open. Then you share them. Share them how to be blessed. But, but if not. You just say glory to God. You call luck. I know I'm blessed. Because my father which saw me in secret when I prayed, he rewarded me openly. Amen. And so that's what comes from quality time with the Lord, is you get that open reward. wanna I, I want to show you how I have quality private time with Jesus. I want to go to Psalms 103. <laughs> Psalms 103. Now, this is one of my regular camping out places. Psalms one hundred three. I do this a lot of places with the Bible. But Psalms one oh three is really a good one. And we're talking about how to develop a close relationship with Jesus, how to spend quality time with him. And I know that uh when I when I got born again back in nineteen eighty I don't know about you, but I don't know about me. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in a tavern. And, you know, literally I was raised in a tavern. My dad and mom were both serious drinkers, and they liked us so much, we got a house across from the tavern. And so they could just walk across, they couldn't make it across, then the owner would bring it across to them, so we'd have it in the house right there, if I'd have to leave the house. And... uh I spent my playtime a lot of time. There was a little girl about my age that was the tavern owner's daughter. and How we spent our playtime, we'd go over to the tavern and climb on the beer cases. Play in the back room, do those kind of things. And I said that to say this. Some people say, well, what kind of church were you raised in? I wasn't raised in a church. I was raised in a tavern. And so when I met Jesus in 1980, it was real to me. It wasn't a game. I didn't have Sunday school classes. I didn't have all the different things people tell me. God God won't do this. God doesn't do that. I know when he came into my life in January of 1980, he was real to me. I found out for the first 28 and a half years of my life that God had been there all the time in Jesus, but I didn't know it, and so that's one of the reasons that I have seriously stuck with him for all these years ever since then, because I thought, man, those first 28 and a half years, the times that I could have died almost did a few times and things like that, there's no way I'm going back there again. No matter what's coming through my life, no matter what crisis, no matter how many people turn on me or how many people like me, that has nothing to do with anything in my life. I know that God's real. I know that Jesus is real. And I know that the only way, the only way I'm going to stay strong and not quit is do what I do when I started this thing. Read my Bible and pray and go to church. Amen. And so I said that. Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand. Just praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, quitting. Quit, quitting. Quitting is not even in my vocabulary about anything in life. Because I found out in Romans eight thirty one that if God is for me, what difference does it make who's against me? Amen. When I found that out, why should I quit if God's for me? Amen. No, no, no matter how big God. I'm like David. The bigger the giant, the harder he falls. Amen. My God's bigger. So anyway, in verses like this here, what I've done for all my Christian life, in John 14, 26, it says that the Holy Ghost is the teacher. says the Holy Ghost will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you into all truth. And so what I've done all my Christian life, when I pray, when I seek God, I mean I know a lot I know a lot about the Bible now that I, I knew nothing, then I would do this every day and I still do this. I sit down with my journal, my Bible, in the presence of God, usually it's early in the morning time, because that's the kind of way my schedule is. I'm not only a night shift or anything, unless God wants to get me up to pray, then that changes everything. But anyway, when I sit down, I say, Holy Ghost, Jesus told me you're the teacher. I said, you're my teacher, Holy Ghost. What classroom are you in today? I want to make sure I'm in the right classroom. And so as a new Christian, there were seasons of my life where every day the Holy Ghost classroom was about my mouth. For every day... He'd take me through the word of God, and God would supernaturally guide me to passages such as Proverbs 10:19, 19. In the multitude of words are one of not sin, he that refrains his lips is wise. And he would take me there every day. I would pray that, I would quote it, I would read it, I would talk it, and then I'd get out in public. And I was like probably some of you still are now you got so much fear and insecurity, you think you talk a lot, you'll be able to cover up anybody talking to you, you know how afraid you really are. So I was a bolder mouth back then as a sinner. I was around people, I had so much fear and insecurity, I'd just talk a bunch. And I figured if I out-talked them, they wouldn't know what a whimper really was. So I'd just do a bunch of talking. Well, when I got saved, he taught me Proverbs ten nineteen 19 in that classroom, I found out the multitude of words, are, one that one that's not sinned, he phrases his lips as wise, i keep my mouth shut then. i get around people, And because I knew I didn't have anything to say, because I knew that if it wasn't about Jesus or God or life, the word of God, what did I have to say? Couldn't talk trash. So I kept my mouth shut. And then Proverbs 18, 21, part of that same class, he said, death and life are the power of the tongue. And they that love us should eat the fruit thereof. And so we'd be in that classroom. What I'm talking about is this bit of quality time finding out, not just to read through the Bible, you know, I think I've only read through the Bible one time in 39 years. Now, I've read the whole Bible lots of times different ways from different directions. But one year, just to be able to say I did it, I bought a Bible that you went through there every day and checked off all the verses and chapters and everything you did to get through it. Man, that was so rough. That was so unanointed. And I didn't care about braggers' rights. after I got done reading it. And I did that one year, one time. But then I got back to my method that God developed with me. Of finding out what God wants to teach me today. I got through that. And you know, I want to say it again. I probably read the whole Bible through lots of times, lots of ways. But just to go through there and read things that had nothing to do with what I'm facing in life didn't really help me. But I can say what other people said. I read through the Bible. So the whole thing is, you've got to develop that way, however it is, that God leads you to where you find out what he wants to teach you. So he taught me about words. He taught me about healing and health. He taught me about tithing and prosperity and giving. He taught me about forgiveness. He taught me about love. He taught me about how to be a good employee. He taught me about integrity. He taught me about character, the fruit of the Spirit. Lots of things. But that was because God is the one that saved you, right? And you know, you think about this. Your little baby, I mean... Man, how many grandkids we got now? Sixteen, a couple more on the way. Got a bunch of them, man. I don't know. We got two or three on the way right now. But the uh, thing is, I've noticed now that of uh, living with, with Josh and Julie, with the little ones like that, they don't let the little ones tell them what they're going to eat. They tell the little ones what they're going to eat. Hey, man. And so, see, because we all come from different backgrounds, we've all got different backgrounds but it's the same spirit. And so we get born again. Jesus knows where you came from. He knows where you are today. He knows who's going to cross your path today. He knows that this season, what's going to be going on in your life a month from now, two months from now. And if you develop this relationship where you go into your study time, prayer closet, devotional time, wherever you want to call it, if you'll listen to him, He will feed you in advance what you're going to need to help you to grow and be able to win in life. Can you see what I'm saying? And so anyway, over the years, as I've prayed and spent my time with him, I'm going to say, I still do this to this day. Well, I spend my time, I find out where he wants me at. And then remember Jesus said, "Enter enter into your secret place and close the door behind you. Well, see, what that means is this. If you've got the life, well, like being a full-time pastor, like I am, things like that, I got time in the morning time where I can sit in my house in a quiet place for a long time. But when I was a truck driver, I could do this, sitting in the break room at work with a lot of truck drivers around me telling dirty jokes, talking, smoking, cussing, doing all the things they were doing because I, le- I learned, I learned that my secret place could be like a turtle. You know what turtles do? They, they carry their house with them. And things go around the turtle they don't like. It. You know what they do? They stick the head back in and go inside. And everything's still going on, on the outside, but the turtle's safe on the inside. So when I found out that I'm a spirit, being to live in this house, I could sit in the break room and go to that secret place I'm talking about right now. I'd have a little faith book, like we sell in the bookstore. I had a little pocket New Testament I carried, had the New Testament Psalms in my pocket, I would sit there on a ten or fifteen-minute break. Of everything around me, and I could pull everything in and sit right there. And I could have my natural ears tune out all these distractions. And I could sit there, and in five or ten minutes, Jesus could talk to me right there. I was in the secret place right there. Everything going on around me, they was doing what they was doing. You know what I was doing? Me and my father were in secret with the Holy Spirit in secret. Breaking those scriptures alive to me. Our little faith book if somebody else teaches the Word of God, the little faith book. I could sit there and drink a cup of coffee and eat a donut or whatever I was doing like that, and I could sit there and on the inside of me I could be praying, reading and talking to Jesus and asking Him questions and get answers to what was going on because I learned that the secret place wasn't so much, wasn't so much the natural place. I do like to have the natural place but God knows where you are. And God can help you supernaturally shut out distractions even with people around you. And that's what Jesus said to do. So anyway, when I get my secret place, I'll go through a verse like this. I'll say, Lord, your word says here in Psalms 103, and right now I'm I'm just acting like I'm in that place. Your word says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And did you see, you notice that David said... Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Well, your spirit and your soul are two different things the Bible teaches. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Remember what Jesus said, or it said, we'll talk about the good shepherd. Psalms 23, he restoreth my soul. He renews my soul. He refreshes my soul. Well, your spirit can very much have victory while there's Bad things on the outside. And your soul, your emotions, they don't want to bless the Lord. So David said, bless the Lord, so He said, I don't want to. I don't like it. This house should have closed two weeks ago. I'm living with my son now. It's nice to see my grandkids every day. But my house is out there. Shut up, soul. You're going to bless the Lord. And then lots of other things going on at the same time in our lives. And so what do we do? We say, my spirit man's got the victory. And so, head, shut up. You got the victory too. Not to say we went to the Christmas party thing the other night. And everybody's sitting there and they're playing this game. And how many got your Christmas tree up yet? Well, how many got a house to put it up in? <laughs> Ours is always up the day after Thanksgiving. I said, well, we're not going to win this one. How many got more than one tree up? I said, well, can I count the ones up in the church? I am the pastor. Can I count those? <laughs> so with the, all the different things like that that people do that have a real house to live in, and we couldn't answer any of the questions, so we didn't win the prize. <laughs> but you know what I said? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Amen. House coming. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Things are changing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. What am I doing? I'm showing you in this quality time with Jesus how you get his word activated, working in your life. So David, David says as a shepherd boy, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. And so as you go through verses like that, you read them out loud. And how many know that the same Holy Spirit that inspired David to write those words is the same spirits in you? Amen. It's God's Holy Spirit. And so as you are reading his word back to him, all of a sudden, something inside of you starts getting excited. And then you're really blessing the Lord. You're starting to praise him. You're starting to enjoy your time with him. And then you get down to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How many here has a job that has benefits? Aren't you glad you've got a job that's got benefits? And you know, if, if something ever happens, we need to tap into those benefits. Isn't it nice to remember what the benefits are? You have the benefits. You know, one of the kids got sick or something happened. Thank you, Jesus. We got the benefits. Emergency room covered. Thank you, Lord. We got the benefits. Doesn't make you what that prescription costs. It's paid for. Thank you, Lord, we got the benefit. Christmas coming, we got a week off, we got days built up. Thank you, Lord, for those benefits. Well, see, the Lord has benefits in the word of God. and David David was going to remind himself of the benefits. And you know to me, I think about Christians, especially Christians that get carnal and want to backslide and walk away from God. Why do they want to walk away from God? because Susan gave me a dirty look. Well, as soon as gave you a dirty look, she was just thinking about something. She didn't smile right then, but that wasn't a dirty look. Why are you going to leave the church because somebody gave you a dirty look? <laughs> you don't know how many times I've heard that. They're talking about me. Who's talking about you? Well, so-and-so and so-and-so, so they sit in the coffee bar. I've heard this. they sit in the coffee bar, and they looked at me, and they were all talking. I might be talking about you right now because I'm looking at you. Don't leave the church over dumb stuff like that. Amen. Forget not all of his benefits. And so I said that to say this. Why would you want to walk away from God and what God's doing to forget the number one benefit? Jesus said, Rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, Rejoice because your name's written in heaven. Why would you want to let stupid little things offend you to walk away from God? Well, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Man, I don't understand a lot of things about a lot of things. But I know this, my number one benefit is not the healing, not the health, not the prosperity. My number one benefit is this, I was a sinner on my way to hell. I'm now born again Christian. My name's written in the last book of life. And nobody can take my name out of that book except me. If I decide to walk away from God, then it says he'll blot it out. I'm not going to walk away. I don't care if things don't look good. I don't care if nobody likes me. I don't care if money's not coming in. I don't care about anything, about anything. I know one thing. I'm going to stick with God. Because the number one benefit in my package, I didn't sign on for all the earthly things. I signed on for the heavenly thing. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and what am I doing? I'm showing you the Word of God, how I get the Word of God, and it becomes alive to me. It says, forgets not all those benefits. But number one benefit Verse 3, he forgives all my iniquities. God forgave my sins. And then, as a believer, if I do wrong again and I ask for forgiveness, God forgives me even now and I get a clean slate. He forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. Now, I've known that verse all my Christian life. This past year, I don't know, some people know about what I went through this year, some don't. I won't go down a long road. Back in the first week of January, I was diagnosed with stage 4 plasmatic lymphoma, and I had cancer in 70% of my blood. I was a walking dead man. I couldn't think, I couldn't function. I preached my faith for a long time, coming up to that diagnosis, because my head was shut off because the doctors played to me, Blood wasn't going from my system to my brain. And so when I preached for a long, long time, I think probably about three years, I preached by faith, my spirit man took over. And so that was very definitely a disease needed healed. On August, I think it was the 15th of this year, I had a heart attack. And the doctor had to do emergency surgery at 99%, 99% of my right coronary artery blocked off. Had the doctor said I should have never walked in there. Well after everything was over with and all the things done, come back for a checkup a week later, the doctor says no no damage. You have no damage. I said, well what can I I said, what can I do? I said, could I travel? What can I do? He said, go swim if you want to. I said, I can swim now? He said yeah, I said, good, I couldn't swim before. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried it out yet, but he said I can swim. <laughs> True story, huh? Yeah, he said normal. And so what am I saying? And, and by the way, <clears throat> I haven't had a treatment for the other since way back in August. I, go, I had a bunch of tests I was going back uh, the 17th of December. They're going to say normal, 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 normal. So anyway, that's where we are But this verse right here, I read this verse as much as I could all year long this year all the different things going on in my life, I said, Lord, I want to thank you. You forgave all my sins, healed all my diseases. I want to thank you, Lord, you healed all my diseases. I want to thank, I'm talking about the word of God, the words that I've spoken unto you, their spirit, their life. And so in my secret place, my father rewards me openly. Openly. That means answered prayer. And so these verses right here, when I read them, they're not just some nice, oh, isn't that so poetic? What oh, the psalm so poetic? I don't know what that means. I know this, they're real. I know that when God tells somebody that the doctor said you got cancer in 70% of your blood, then another doctor says big bad heart stuff, and then God says, I forgave all your sins and I healed all your diseases. I'm sticking with the God part. Amen. Praise God for the proper diagnosis so they treat things. But God's the only one who can really heal things. Man can't forgive sins. God can. Man can treat things, but God cures things. And so, I'm talking about how you go into that prayer closet with these verses and they become real to you. And so, probably hundreds of times this year I'd have to say about these verses right here I'm looking at. I went through these. And I said, thank you, Lord. Even when I was sitting there. In my chair with my brain out paralyzed because no blood flow, my spirit man will cry out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You heal all my diseases. Thank you, Jesus. You heal all my diseases. And this is just one passage, but you go through these like this, and then you get down to verse 4. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. I say, thank you, Lord, for that benefit. You redeem my life from destruction. Who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's loving kindness and tender mercies I get to stand up here today. It's loving kindness and tender mercies I get to hold my little grandchildren and play with them. It's loving kindness and tender mercies I get to sound, sign closing papers on a house and get to move into a better house and a nicer house and enjoy life. And then, I'm talking about read these verses out loud where they become personal to you. And the Holy Spirit speaks them to your heart. As you're reading them. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. You know what that means? Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone. And so the good things. That God satisfies our mouth with. Is his word. Satisfies our mouth with good things. So our youth is renewed like the eagles. And so. My body may be 67 and a half years old, but the more and more and more I'm getting back in the flow, the more and more I start to act like 50 again. And right on down, I my youth has been renewed again. I got rid of all that yuck in my body with the Word of God, time with Jesus, and now I'm coming more and more and more. My mouth is satisfied with good things. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed, so I am healed. Jesus forgave all my sins, healed all my diseases. That's the good things. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone. I want to repeat that again. Man shall not live by bread alone. Food was good, but he said we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so your youth is just not automatically renewed like the eagles. Your youth is renewed like the eagles as you speak those good things. Amen. Amen. Are you getting how this prayer closet business works to quality time with Jesus? It's not the quantity. I fell for the trap myself before, I hate to admit it, where I've had the iPhone laying right there and doing this. And then get done, and by the time the iPhone mixes in with the Bible time, there's no anointing. And so, you need to lay the iPhone down. You need to lay the tablet down. Open up your Bible, and even if you've only got 15 minutes The time to sit like that, even five minutes. If you got that quality time where you find the verse or verses that apply to where you are right now, you speak those outside, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that word on the inside of you comes alive and you're recognized. That family thing's taken care of. Glory to God, it's done. I can praise Him now. That family thing's done. I got that job. That car's paid off. My kids came home. My dad just got healed. Well, what, the hospital call? You know, I found out the Word of God. I got a hold of it. He got it. Amen. And so that's how this works. I'm just, just encouraging you now, in this time we're having, at this Christmas season, remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Spend that time with Him. And God knows if you've only got ten minutes today. But make that ten minutes His time. Don't share it with anybody else. Don't share it with Facebook. Share it with Jesus. Spend that time with Him. Your whole day will be anointed and blessed. And then praise God, just know that Saturday's coming or whatever your day off is. And on that day off, you make up for some lost time. Have some time with Him. And that, that answers the question for the believers to come up to pray And say, Pastor, I will get closer to God. How can I get closer to God? I just told you. That's what you do. You do that, I'll tell you what, you will have peace. You'll be a blessing. And people will know you spent time with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.